The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. So good to be talking to all of you, and so good to be talking to our guest this week. She is the music business reporter for Rolling Stone, and she is here to talk to us about Taylor Swift's new record deal and what it means for the music industry as a whole. Ladies and gentlemen, Amy X. Wong is on the Break the Business Podcast. Hi, Amy. Hey, thanks for having me. Very much my pleasure. Let's get right into it. On Monday, November 19th, Taylor Swift announced that she was signing a new record deal with Universal Music Group after a brief period of free agency following the end of her deal with Big Machine. And you and others have reported that this deal doesn't look like the typical deal that artists usually have with major labels. Amy, tell us a bit about some of the things that Taylor got for herself in this deal that differ from kind of the standard record deal terms. I know, I know she has some ownership over her masters, right? Mm -hmm, That's right. Yeah. So that's exactly right. It's a bit unusual because for her, of course, this is the first time she's been a free agent in more than a decade and she's taken it as an opportunity to do something for other artists, which is the interesting part because her record label doesn't, uh, her record deal doesn't exactly only come with her own, recordings and her own plans going forward. So they also stipulate that Universal has to do something for the other artists on Universal's other labels, basically, which is that Universal has to pay them uh, if it ever cashes in on Spotify shares on a non-recoupable basis, meaning that all the others will have to get money even if they're you know, in the red with Universal, if they owe Universal tons of money for an advance, Universal still owes them money from any Spotify sale, which is huge for artists just on a level of, you know, a label actually caring for them. And that's something that Taylor Swift has been doing for a while with Spotify and with Apple Music. She's been using her platform as a way to sort of fight for the smaller artists. Well, that's always been a really big part about everything she's done. And, you know, going back to what you were talking about with Apple Music and making sure that artists got paid sooner there. And with this deal saying that when you do cash out those Spotify shares, Universal, you have to share with the artists on a non-recoupable basis, which some of the major labels that have shared the Spotify money have said, yeah, you have to, we're going to use this money to pay off your balance. And so you may not actually see any of this Spotify money, but let me come at it with a bit of skepticism and I'm not even sure that's the right word here because I'm a big fan of what Taylor Swift's doing, but I'm sort of curious, would this have happened anyway? I mean, there's, there's been a lot of news about the major labels, you know, doing this kind of stuff. So is this sort of just Taylor Swift giving herself a a way to get some positive press for something that may have already been in the pipeline for universal? That's a huge possibility and question that's kind of up in the air, especially because there are no financial terms disclosed from the deal. So nothing about, how much money she's getting and nothing about how much money the artist would be able to get. It's not like it's a certain percentage that the universal artist will get or anything like that. It was just announced that it's non-recoupable and that's what her team has been really been pushing as the narrative, which is it's So it's fair to be skeptical of that as an idea. Like maybe she's just tagging along and saying, you know, this is something that I've gotten for others, but 
even if that's the case, it's still fairly interesting that she's, you know, coming out and trying to be this champion for artists, artists sort of suggesting that other artists who are at her level or above or a little bit below might even be able to do the same thing. So a sort of like we're all in this together spirit that we haven't ever really seen in the music industry where it's always been kind of one for themselves. Well, I, I am always impressed by the things that Taylor kind of does to show that she's in solidarity with her fellow artists. But I was a little surprised by this announcement only because I thought, and when I spoke about this on my own show in the past, that with Taylor Swift's record deal winding down with Big Machine, that she was going to go independent. I thought that was the route she was going to take because she has plenty mm-hmm. of resources. She has uh, you know, a lot of wealth, anything that a label can do, she has the ability to do for herself by hiring a team to make it all happen. And so given your sense, you know, you probably have your ear to the ground uh, with the industry a lot, given your work with Rolling Stone. Did you, was there, do you think there was a strong chance that she might've actually gone independent or was her going with a, another major label a foregone conclusion? It honestly felt like there was a strong chance for everything because there had been so many different rumors floating around and there was at least one source behind everyone saying, you know, this is the route she's going to take. So there was a rumor, for instance, that Universal was going to buy the entire uh, big machine, which was a company that she was with, the indie one. And then there was a, a rumor that she was going to go independent and do it all herself. And then there was the one that she was independent and she was cutting a deal with Spotify or something else like that. So all of those were options, which is why this was sort of like a big moment for the industry to really look at because it wasn't like anyone was ever saying, you know, these are options, but really she's, of course, she's going to go and sign with a label because of the label's resources and things like that. So yeah, in a way, it's really, really traditional of her to pick Universal. The non-traditional aspect would just be that she had the stipulation cut in for other artists. That, that was certainly a big element of this. Let me ask you this as a music business reporter, because I, I am intrigued by what you were saying about there were a lot of different speculations out there. There are all these different people saying different things. How do you as a music business reporter handle that? As you're chasing this story and you have sources that are probably telling you all these different things are going to happen, what's it like for you to kind of just sort of figure out who the heck's, you know, really telling the real story out here? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> uh, it, it's sort of a matter of just watching the cards unfold and seeing how many people seem to be leaning which way. You know, usually if two people from various companies or opposite sides of if like one's a publicist and one's a label person or something and they're both saying the same thing then you kind of have to chase that thread just by quantity and go down that road um but it's it's interesting because now that we have so many different ways of essentially doing things it's not just two options anymore it's like is she going to go to universal is she going to go to Warner? no it's just all of these things so everything becomes an option and that's the case with any time any artist is a free agent or any artist decides to do anything like what is the next step going to be we're not really sure because they have a myriad of options in front of them now, have you heard anything about the big machine masters because you still have all these huge taylor swift hits that for the time being are still sitting in the big are still the property of big machine has there been any discussion about maybe taylor buying those masters back universal buying those masters back that's right, yeah. So the Big Machine team has been pretty quiet after this. Um, some people have said that they would imagine that Big Machine was not happy <laughs> with the deal. Uh, of course, all of that's their projection. Um, no one's really quite sure what's going to happen because Big Machine itself hasn't 
made an announcement about what's going to happen and where it's going to go with that. But Taylor Swift, when she made that Instagram post announcing her deal, stressed that she owns her masters going forward and very clearly did not mention anything about the past. So we can assume that that's still up for debate right now, or it's been locked in in a way that she's not you know, the most happy about because every artist, of course, wants to own their masters and wants to go that prince route of being entirely independent. She's not at that point, but she might be someday in the future. Who knows? No question about it. Of all the things that have sort of been discussed in this Taylor Swift saga, the the changing of the labels, the Spotify sharing the money with artists angle, of all the things that have been happening with Taylor Swift over the last few weeks and all the stories that have been shooting out there, is there any particular aspect of everything that's been going on that you find interesting that you feel like hasn't been reported out there enough as much as some of the other things have? Yeah, I feel like the idea of um, like the fact that she's signed to a major label makes sense because it's what has been done. But you, we, we had talked about earlier why she didn't just go for a radically different route. And so I'm curious to know what the options were. Like, I'm sure there were, you know, her team must have had dozens of options laid out in front of them. They must have gone through every single one. So I wanted to, to figure out, you know, what were the most radical ones of that and what is really hindering her from taking them. That's the thing, right? We have all of these options of uh, releasing music, producing music, distributing it. We have brands coming in and being record labels. We have record labels you know, starting record labels under them themselves in different ways. So artists these days really have more opportunities than ever to get big, but it still seems like the hierarchy is underlying of going to a record label and releasing music that way. It's still going to be the most surefire way to, to be big and to make a lot of money. And so that's a narrative that I'd be curious to explore more about. Like, Was Taylor Swift essentially forced into the universal strategy just simply because it was the most lucrative and the most safe? Um, or was there some other reason, you know, and why is it that the other options are still really unstable? What I would have given to be a fly on the wall in Taylor Swift's camp as they were debating all these options and figuring out what the next play would have been. And oh, by the way, what I would give to just read a copy of this universal record deal and just see how all these things are going to shape out, you know, what is the, you know, sharing the Spotify money with all the artists terms looking like, I mean, there's so many things I'd love to know. Amy, thank you so much for coming on this week and helping us demystify a lot of this stuff. It's great to talk to somebody who's obviously got their ear uh, of, on, on the ground with everything that's going on. Before we let you go, I'd love to just take advantage of more of that expertise you have. Do you have any last tips for the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Sure. So this is probably not going to be super, super helpful, but one thing that I've noticed talking to everybody in the industry is that you essentially have to learn how to be really personable and interact with people on a level before you get big and before you become that superstar status. And that's essentially really flipped from what it was before, right? You could sort of make music, get big, and then be able to deal with fans in a sort of like offhand, you know, post a picture every once in a while, but not really care about them. Now, one of the best ways to success is building up that really, really organic fan base of, you know, reaching out to people on Twitter, thanking them for listening, um, posing with fans, meeting fans, talking to them, having genuine conversations and being really, really sort of interactive and in the weeds with that fan base. And of course, you know, there's the the way of like K-pop bands being on social media 
tweeting every few minutes to fans, that kind of thing in a really elevated way. But yeah, that was an interesting thing that people had been talking about that I hadn't really considered how artists nowadays can't really make it or have a harder time making it rather if they're going to be totally averse to fans and sort of have the idea that their music is going to speak for themselves. Because of course, a good song is always going to be a good song, but it's going to, you know, it's going to be easier to get up to the top and easier to get up into people's ears if you're the person behind it, sort of smiling and being able to make an effect with your presence as well as your music. Check her out in Rolling Stone. She really knows her stuff, writes some great, great articles. That's Amy X. Wong on the Break the Business podcast. And we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the show.